Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Back when me and my wife, Anna, were dating, is before we were married, I went over to her place one time, and she said, I'll make you a chicken fried steak. And I'm like, oh, that would be great. So I had this chicken fried steak. It got kind of late in the evening. We were chilling out watching TV, and all of a sudden, I felt something wrong. And I said to Anna, I said, could you please go get me something? I think I'm going to throw up. (laughs) And she was kind of tired and she got up kind of sluggish. Okay. And I said, oh my God, hurry. And she went a little faster. I said, hurry. She went a little faster. I said, would you get in here with it now? And (laughs) she got to running so fast that she ran into the wall in the kitchen trying to find something. And you know that sound on cartoons, the, the sound effect when a cartoon character runs into something, it sounds like pots and pans and cans and stuff falling all over the place. That's what it sounded like. I have no idea what she really turned over in there. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just want you to know I didn't break up with her and leave her over a bad chicken fried steak. I mean, that would be kind of dumb, right? I mean, her heart was in it. Uh, the, maybe not the ingredients were in it, but her heart was in it and she did her best. So what you do is you move past that and you try to do better next time. Okay. That was a long time ago. She cooks just fine now. Okay. But what I'm saying is that one instance, her heart was in it. She, she did it because she loved me, even though it didn't turn out the best. She did it because she cared. And that's something I, I could work with. Well, Ray, what in the world has this got to do with the lesson today? Well, we're going to see that play out here in 1 Kings 3, where Solomon did something that didn't turn out so well, but because he his heart was in it and he had a true love for God, then God was able to work with that. So anyway, those of you that heard the chicken fried steak story, you're thinking, oh, wow, d- did your wife give you permission to say that it was okay to air this? <laughs> yes, we talked about it. We were talking about it the other night, and Anna said, oh, my goodness, and you still married me. <laughs> so anyway, that she's good with it. If, it. if it glorifies the Lord, go for it, right? So anyway, today we're in 1 Kings 3, and I'm going to call today's lesson, Just Ask. I mean, just ask, okay? Let's roll. 1 Kings 3 and 1, where Solomon requests wisdom. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Solomon made this treaty with Pharaoh, and the way they sealed a treaty is that Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter. The Lord did this at a time when Egypt was weak. But, you know, you got to remember that the Lord had told David that Solomon's rule would be a time of peace for Israel. 
So you can see how that even Egypt, Israel's former oppressor, was entering into peace with them. You know, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he makes even even his enemies to be at peace with him. So the Israelites, though, they had picked up a pagan practice of offering up sacrifices on hilltops and other high places. Now, the reason why the pagans sacrificed on hilltops is because they thought that the closer their prayers were to their false gods, the higher up into the sky they were, that their sacrifices were higher, their prayers were higher, then it was more chance of being accepted, more a chance of them being heard, and that's why they worshiped on the tops of hills. You know, God did not want Israel to be like this. God told Israel to be holy. He said, you need to be different. Don't be like these guys. In fact, in Exodus, way back in Moses' day, right before Moses went up the mountain to go to the Lord, it says that he built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He built his altar way down low, very different from the way everybody else was doing it. So Israel and Solomon had started doing sacrifices in the wrong way, but it says there in verse 3 that Solomon, quote, loved the Lord, end quote. Solomon loved the Lord. And so even though Solomon had done things wrong because his heart was in it, because his love for the Lord was real, then God was willing and able to work past that, just like my chicken fried steak story. She made the chicken fried steak. It made me sick. I didn't like it. I, I didn't want it that way. But she, she was in it for me. Solomon was in it for the Lord. And so the Lord looked at him and said, okay, he's in it for me. We're going to work past this. So God did not hold this problem against Solomon because Solomon honestly was really trying. You ever known somebody that was really, really trying and they just messed up? They just couldn't get it right. But gosh, they were trying. You can't really fault them because they're, they're giving it their best. So that was Solomon in this case. In fact, later in chapter 6, we're going to see that Solomon is the one who actually builds the temple of God, which is where the proper worship of God would be relocated to. Okay? So look at Solomon. He's messing up, but God goes, I can, I can work through this guy because he loves me anyway. Even though he's messed up, guys, that's a great comfort to me because when I think of the fact that God is willing to work with me, and I've got all my own flaws and my own faults. Gosh, that God would work through a messed up people like us, the sinner. That just gives me such comfort that God would be willing to work through me because I love him. And he loved me first. It's just a good picture in this. First Kings 3 and 4. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? First off, guys, we need to realize Solomon's under covenant. He's under the Davidic covenant that God gave to David. Now, he's where is he? He's on Gibeon at the high place. <laughs> Solomon was doing everything wrong. The most wrong he could do was at Gibeon, at the highest of the, the very high place, the great high place. I mean, it was the pinnacle of all high places. It was the pinnacle of, this is where God doesn't want you to do this. And that's where the Lord came to him. Okay, a good Jesus parallel in here is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He came to us. Isn't that amazing? So he came to him and in a dream, and he said, ask, what, what, do you, what, will you t what do you want? 
Now, this is not a name it, claim it opportunity for people that run that direction. I don't, I don't do that. The Bible doesn't either. What we have got to consider first is that Solomon was sacrificing to God. Did you? I mean, we saw this. He was doing sacrifices because he loved him. He loved God. Sacrifice means you give up something, something of yours that you would like to keep. You give it up for the Lord. Sacrificial love was the foundational basis on which why the Lord told Solomon to ask for what he wanted. The reason the Lord said, ask whatever you want, is because Solomon was acting in sacrificial love, okay? This isn't just, God, I want something, give it to me. That is not sacrificial, that's give me. Sacrifice means you give things up. And the Lord wanted to bless a man who did sacrifices because he knows that Solomon would use what he was given not for himself, but he would put it right back into the kingdom of God. That's why God blesses people. He blesses those who will themselves be a blessing. Now, Solomon's obedience was met with blessing. If you really want real blessing, you first have to be obedient. You have to have a real love of God first. You've got to be doing what God says first, and then the blessing comes. 1 Kings 3 and 6. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? You know, Solomon did not have any selfish motives, did he? Not not at all. In fact, he called himself a servant. To think this man is a king, and he called himself a king, called himself a servant? Guys, that's humility. But you know what? It's because of that humility is the very reason why God told him to ask for what he wanted, because he had humility. Solomon didn't ask for money and power, nothing selfish. Solomon's desire was set on the benefit of his own people. And Solomon was humble enough to admit he honestly didn't know how to do how to rule as a king. God, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, you put me in my father's place. I have no idea what's going on. What what do I do? This is a guy that's not arrogant. And so when Solomon said, I don't know how to go out and come in, what did that mean? He was talking about going out to war and then returning again because he won. You know, if you go out to war, you're not coming back if you lose because you're dead. He's talking about going out and coming in, going to war militarily and coming back victoriously. If you remember, David did this in 1 Samuel 18, 16. It says, all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. So Solomon was basically saying, look, I don't understand military tactics like my dad did. I'm not the the war soldier guy like my dad was. And you've got all these people among these nations, and they're too numerous to count. I don't know how to do all this stuff. I don't, I'm nothing like what my dad was. I don't know how to do this. Friend, have you ever been in that kind of position before? God, I want to do for you but I don't know what to do. 
God, I want to do great things for you like other people do, but I'm not like them. I don't know how to do it. But friend, that's okay because God knows how to do it, okay? <laughs> so the Lord knew how to do this, but God know, God knows. So Solomon asked for discernment. He says, Lord, give me discernment. What is discernment? That is the God-given ability to determine what is right from what is wrong. So think of this. Here's a 20-year-old guy. Solomon's 20 years old at this time. You've got a 20-year-old that's saying he doesn't know it all. I mean, that's quite a fella here, isn't it? A 20-year-old says he doesn't know it all. Quite a statement. He said, I got, he said, God, I need your help. I want to tune into your will, but I want to do it not for me. I want to do it for you. I want to do it for your people. Man, this is a kind of, kind of guy that God's going to answer. 1 Kings 3 and 10. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. So since Solomon basically wanted what God wanted, that's how, what it boiled down to. Solomon agreed with God in, in all things for his people. Then God gave him a wise heart. And what really gets me here is how the Lord said there would never be anybody like you, not before you or not after you. The wisdom of Solomon was so great. The guy had so, such good marbles in his head. He was so smart that in the next chapter, it says that people from all nations of the earth came to hear him give lectures about all the things that he knew. You know, I have this book. It's called We Are Not the First. It's about all these archaeological discoveries from all over the world, these incredible things that's been dug up that were discovered that nobody can explain how an ancient culture could come up with such gadgetry. You know, uh, for instance, one of them was a battery. It was a piece of uh, elongated uh, piece of pottery, and it had this metal rod that went in it. And if you put citric acid in it from like uh, fruits and stuff, it would actually generate a voltage. And well, what would you need a battery for in ancient times? Well, they learned to clean the tarnish off of gold and jewelry by exposing them to electric currents, and it would help to clean it off. It's a practice they still use today. Well, how on earth did they come up with this kind of stuff? I believe they learned how to do this stuff by different people, different cultures going to listen to King Solomon's wisdom and then taking it back home to their own country and implementing what they learned off of Solomon's wisdom. I really believe that. So the next time you see one of those TV shows where they found this incredible item and how in the world did they do that? You just remember Solomon. That's how they got it. It's, it's no other way they could have come up with it. It's just too great, too grand of an item to have just invented. Solomon knew what he was doing. So the Lord did say, there will never be anyone like you before you or after you. Now, this is pretty awesome, but you know how commercials go. But wait, there's more, okay? Look, 1 Kings 3 and 13. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Guys, Solomon got this because his desires matched the desires of God for Israel. 
Then God promised to give him what was of secondary importance, riches and honor. You know, having riches and honor, that would help Solomon to govern Israel much more effectively because it would provide a lot more power, a lot more provision, more respect for his authority, not just only among his own people, but even among the other nations around the Israelites. And this would just help Solomon to do what he wanted to do to govern God's people well. God said to David, Solomon's time is going to be a time of peace. And so the Lord is giving Solomon the provision and the items and the character traits that he needs to be able to pull this off among the Israelites and the other nations. God's supplying it all. 1 Kings 3 and 14. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. (laughs) How exciting. Look how happy he is and what he's doing here. But I have an opportunity here to go Bible college student on you real quick. Uh, I had a friend tell me, Ray, you preach like a like a Bible college student. And I, well, it's because I was a Bible college student for four years. So, of course, I'm going to talk like that. So here I go. It's something that's here in the text. So I, I want to identify something real quick that was in this passage we just read, something that is called a conditional promise. God said to Solomon, if you walk in my ways, then I will lengthen your days. Now, this promise was a conditional promise because it was based upon Solomon's performance. God said, if you do this, then I'll do that. Now, Solomon, like I said, he was already under the Davidic covenant, which was an unconditional promise. How was it unconditional? God promised to have somebody on David's line to sit on the throne of Israel forever. David was dead at this point in time, and so this covenant had no requirements based upon any man or upon David to uphold it. David's gone. Okay, so God alone had to uphold this covenant promise to have somebody on that throne because now David's out of the picture. He can't do anything about it. This is all God here from this. It was always God uh, with that covenant. It's an unconditional promise because it was not dependent upon any man's requirements or performance. But this new promise to Solomon was conditional. Conditional. If Solomon obeyed God, if he did, then God would grant him a longer lifespan. So this conditional promise was given to Solomon in addition to the unconditional promise that he was already under, the unconditional covenant that he was already under. So you've got multiple layers of promises and covenants going on from the Lord, a Davidic covenant, unconditional, that is not dependent upon any man's performance or or requirements or any of his abilities. Now you've got Solomon who is under a conditional covenant promise that if you do this, then I will do that. Now, the reason I jump on this is because it's extremely important that we know how to identify a conditional promise apart from an unconditional promise, because we've got to understand that what we are not responsible for, and we also have to understand what we are responsible for, not knowing your responsibilities, and also what's out of your hands, and not knowing these things can get you in a lot of trouble. For example, we do not uphold our covenant promise with God because we're already sinners. We already blew it. A lot of people think, no, when I get saved, 
I hold it up. No, you don't, because you've already sinned. Our, our salvation covenant has to be totally upheld by God. It is an unconditional promise that he binds and he seals with his Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 to 16, I think. Look it up. But we are responsible for obeying God. That, it, that does not release us from obeying him. A lot of people think that the sealed salvation, God upholds it, it's always, it's just up to him, means I can go sin like the devil and then God has to save me no matter what because, hey, it's unconditional off of me, right? No, no, no. There's multiple layers. You can be under unconditional covenant of salvation, but then yet there are conditions of promise that God says, if you do this, then I will do that. We've really got to know these things because that's how we need to learn to function with God. Let me give an example of an, a second one just because it's very important to understand this. In James 4, a lot of people know that it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, that sounds like an unconditional promise. Okay, just resist the devil and he'll flee and, and God's got to make the devil uh, flee. Well, it's not an unconditional promise because the full passage says that you first have to submit to God. It says, submit to God and then. When you resist the devil, he will flee from you. See, Satan is never going to flee from you if you are not under the condition of submitting yourself to God. Satan is not scared of you, okay? A lot of people have those T-shirts, not today, Satan. I mean, I get the idea, but they have this attitude that I'm going to kick Satan in the teeth. No, you're not. (laughs) Satan's not scared of you. He's scared of the Son of God because the Son of God, Jesus, has got power over him. So let's read it right. It is a conditional promise that if you submit to God, then when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. You see, you see how quick this can get you in trouble if you don't understand the difference. But anyway, that's my quick Bible college lecture. And uh, because we need to understand what our responsibilities are, as well as what they are not, because it'll keep you out of trouble. We got to know the difference. So I wanted you to see this with Solomon. He's under the Davidic covenant, which is unconditional. But now God put him under a conditional set of circumstances that if you do this, if you walk in my ways, then I will do that. Then I will lengthen your days. Okay? It was there. I had to address it back into the story. Let's move along. So Solomon awoke from the dream. And man, look how happy it made him. And he had the dream on Gibeon, the great high place. That man, that is the Lord God coming down to a sinner while he's sinning. (laughs) But look how happy it made Solomon. Now he's giving even more offerings now. Friends, this is biblical evidence that if you will give to God, if you have a giving heart unto God and love God, he'll give you back more than you can give. You cannot outgive God. Solomon was making offerings. Did you see where? Solomon did the offerings. Did you see that? Did you catch that? He was no longer sacrificing at the most high place in Gibeon anymore. So where was he? Solomon now sacrificed in Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem. Okay, remember he was at at the high places, and then later on he was at the most high place of Gibeon just doing what he picked up from his culture. Culture says, do it like this. Okay, I'll do it like that. But now he's in Jerusalem. What this means is that Solomon stopped doing things the way he always did them. He stopped doing what his culture told him to do, and he turned around, and now he was doing things right.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.